Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The biggest breaking news stories. An outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio. Let's start. Let's start with Christmas. Let's start with the front page of the Sun today. Bid to save festive season. Five days of Christmas. Um, families could be allowed five days to enjoy get-togethers over Christmas. I mean, the fact that I live in in Britain, a democratic nation in the twenty-first century, and I've got a newspaper. Uh, getting, I mean, it's written by Harry Cole, political editor of the Sun. Very, very well connected in government. And, and that we're getting it leaked out to to newspapers from the government that they will allow us, allow us to spend time with our families. Um, I, I, I worry that I've suddenly woke up in a dystopian film. It, it does feel a bit dystopian. I'm, I'm glad to see our overlords will graciously allow us to spend time with our friends and family. Not so good, as the article says, for those who want to avoid their in-laws over Christmas. It was (laughs) going to be the perfect excuse. I don't think the government really has a choice here, though, do they? Because people are going to go spend time with their friends and family. So they either allow it or they allow mass civil disobedience. I mean, this is the reality. I mean, everyone I know is saying, well, I'm I'm planning to do it anyway. So um, there is an element where they're going to have to allow it. We all understand the need for social distancing. I don't know anybody who is not being careful around their older relatives, who is not being, you know, doing the sanitising, wearing the mask, doing all of that, doing all the sensible stuff that we know makes difference. I'm not m- mixing, even when we were allowed to, I'm not mixing with random people. Seeing, for instance, when we were allowed to have household mixing, the parents from my daughter's school, our kids are in a bubble anyway. You know, we're, we're all, we're effectively in a bubble together anyway. So our kids are at school together all day, every day, Monday to Friday. So I don't think it makes much difference if on a Sunday we see each other uh, for lunch when we're allowed to actually, when, we, when we're allowed to see friends. Remember that. Um, but but the idea that the government can tell us that you the, 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 even the idea that they could tell us that we couldn't see family members on Christmas Day. I, mean, I, I find it extraordinary that somehow we have got to this, because if you'd suggested this a year ago, everyone would have thought you were insane. It, it is an, a brave new world that, that yeah. we're in. I, I can kind of understand the, the government's need to... to avoid a huge upsurge in infections and that would defeat the whole point and, you know, could overwhelm the NHS in a worst-case scenario. I mean, I thought the whole purpose, though, of our current lockdown was to make sure that the, the cases were managed so that you could have some kind of Christmas season. Perhaps not the traditional Christmas season, but you could have some kind of Christmas get-togethers. So I guess it's not all bad news that, at the very least, they're aware of this problem and that they're going to be liberalising things for at least for a short period. 
Yeah, uh, well, we shall see about that. Well, look, let's also talk about other big stories in the news. Uh, first up, uh, the, the PPE uh, shenanigans. Now, we know there was a crazy, crazy international market for, for PPE uh, around you know, February, March. And people, Every single government scrambling. It wasn't just our government that got a lot of grief for not getting the PPE to, to the front line. Um, we, I mean, France had exactly the same problems. Germany had the same problems. Hey, if Germany's had a problem with it, we know it's an international problem. However, there was a scramble to hand out contracts to pretty much anyone in the their dog. I mean, you know, uh, you know, Del Boy could have got a, you know a multi-billion-pound contract to get PPE under this government, and they were, were awarding them to suppliers and, and, and anybody who said, "Oh, hi, I can supply PPE," even though they had no experience, no contacts, no links. Contracts written, it would appear, according to this National Audit report, which was sometimes written after the fact, for hundreds of millions of pounds of taxpayers' money, eighteen billion pounds in total awarded in the first six months of the pandemic. Um, just under five hundred suppliers uh, were referred to what's called a high priority channel. So basically, if you're an MP or you had contacts with the government, friends with somebody in government, you could refer, you could say, oh, hi, I've got this company. Oh, I know. They they want to offer you PPE. They were fast-tracked and they had a 10 times better chance of getting a contract, even if they had no experience. I mean, you could literally set up a company on a Monday, apply to sell to sell PPE to the government on the Tuesday and, and, and have a contract on the Wednesday for millions and millions of pounds without any checks and any, and any proper paperwork, due diligence, competition or anything. Do we excuse that because we were in an emergency or not? It is quite extraordinary. It feels like we are in the wrong industry, Julia. Yeah. That we should get, get into PPE supplies. It's it's when I mean, they're spending twenty billion pounds on PPE. It, 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 we've lost track of just how much money that is. It's cost three hundred fifty million pounds to build an entire new hospital. Uh, so what we're talking about here are dozens of hospitals that are, are being spent on, on masks and gowns and all these other very important things. There was obviously a ridiculous market for it. The government had to overpay. There's nothing wrong with the fact that the government simply in an international market had to pay so much. But it does feel like they use a lot of questionable suppliers. And it's a classic case of um, bureaucrats not particularly taking seriously other people's money. They were given an unlimited budget and they spent that and an extra yeah. and in order to solve what was fundamentally a political problem, which was you didn't want to have these this imagery of, of doctors and nurses going without... Yeah. Well, not um, the imagery. I didn't PPE. want them going without it. Yeah, but the, the thing is, I mean, we know the Public Health England, it was their job to sort and supply PPE. Uh, even in January, they were destroying old PPE and which which frankly they would have been happy to use uh, come February or March but but um, they, you know, they did not order new supplies I mean it's a fundamental failing genuinely I think people should be taken out and shot for those failings that was literally their job to prepare for a pandemic that was their number one job not tell us whether or not we can eat McDonald's or not um, but but do you think that you know when all said and done it's going to be very easy to make a judgment about this when it's all calm, when we're in that marketplace. I mean, the Americans were literally, they were at Chinese airports. The Americans had diplomats at every Chinese airport. And for every shipment of, of PP that was going to um, to uh, any other country, they were literally offering hundreds of thousands of pounds to them to fly to, to, to get that PP off and fly it to America. I mean, they, they were ruthless. I mean, awful, but, but utterly brilliant at the same time. There was, there, there was a desperate scramble from around the world. Do you, think, do you think in the cold light of day it's easy to judge, but actually at the time it was understandable? I think it's probably true to some extent. It, it does seem like the government did have to pay ridiculous amounts at times to get PPE. Uh, as you said, it would have been much better if we had a proper stockpile we were told I don't, I don't know if you remember back in march we were told oh, the uk will be fine we, we have enough tests we have enough ppe in stockpiles and that basically ran out within a few days just because they didn't properly calculate the the speed at which 
uh, hospitals would, would go through. It's just extraordinary amounts of PPE. And then the only way to get it was to pay ridiculous amounts of money. The issue feels like not necessarily paying ridiculous amounts of money to factories in China in order to outbid somebody else, but using the, yep. these middlemen who have kind of scraped off a yeah. lot of money in their own interests. Um, um, a part of me, as you say, like, well, we're in the wrong industry. Part of me thinks, wow, you know what, if you can make that money, fair dues. Part of me is just utterly appalled and disgusted by these people, though. The profiteering uh, I, on, on, on basically trying to save lives. I, I just, I mean, I suppose there's an animal, well, if everyone else is doing it, I may as well. And yet I think... No, I'm I'm happy sleeping at night without those millions in my pocket. I mean, if if they are providing a useful service, I, I mean, this this case, this particular case seems com- completely ridiculous. If you are an expert in sourcing this material, which is a very specialized job, you speak Mandarin, you can yeah. get to that factory owner. You probably are worth a lot of money, and and profiteering or not, it's not an issue that people are making a profit out of providing a value and providing that PPE we need. It's just an issue with the government's throwing money at a friend of a friend because yeah. somebody went to university with somebody. That's a, that's basically a classic case of corruption. So yeah. it's about separating those two out. Yeah, that, I mean, it does appear there's an awful lot of that going on in this government. I'm fair, alas, though, it's a lot that goes on in, in, in every government that we've ever had. Uh, let's also talk about the ban on the sale of new petrol and diesel cars in 2030. Originally it was 2040, then it was 2035, now it's 2030. I mean, pff, you know, it'll be 2025 by next Tuesday. Hybrid it's going to be banned from uh, 2035. Uh, um, Boris Johnson is going to announce his 10 point plan today. Um, uh, there's an extra four billion pounds. I mean, it doesn't four billion quid, uh, by the way, taxpayers money we don't have anymore um, is not even going to touch the sides of what this net. This is all part of the net zero emissions legal target by 2050 requires. It's not going to touch the sides of what that costs. We know we are talking about a trillion pounds. I mean, basically, the, the Treasury stopped doing stopped doing the numbers when they realised how how horrific and un, unsellable it was to the uh, the public. Do you think there was anybody who voted for Boris Johnson on December the nineteenth last year who said, "I'm voting for Boris because I really hope he bans the sale of new petrol and diesel cars in in ten years' time." Absolutely not. This is an absurd political strategy the government is now taking forward to alienate its core voter base. But on top of that, it's just fundamentally very questionable policy. I'd like one simple answer from the government. How much is this going to cost? How much is going to cost not the government's backbone, not the government's um, you know, the Treasury, but how much is it going to cost the economy to force everyone to pay much more for cars? Yeah. And how much is it going to cost the economy to pay much more for electricity, which is going to be the result of pumping a lot of unstable electricity sources, um, particularly wind into, into the mix? And who's ultimately going to end up paying for that? It's going to be yeah. all of us yeah. in more expensive goods, more expensive services, um, right across the economy, because these are key inputs. Electricity goes into everything else, and, and same with, with cars. and. Well, yeah, you suddenly uh, make uh, everyone's vehicle of uh, delivering every single supply, every single thing we buy in the supermarket, food, everything, Amazon goods, it's all going to cost more. Everything, everything. I mean, it might be justified. Maybe it's worth it for net zero and maybe the cost of climate change. It's possibly true, but if we don't do that calculation, if we don't actually work out what the costs and benefits are, we can make no claim that this is in any way a good idea. Well, they didn't do the cost-benefit analysis, as we know, for the impact assessment for lockdown, so I doubt very much they're doing it on a long-term policy like this. But again, I don't remember being asked because the Green Party is putting forward a lot of policies. Don't remember voting for the Green Party. Don't remember many people voting for the Green Party. And I think that should be uh, quite telling. If people wanted these policies they'd had an opportunity to vote for them. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.